Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. There are some phrases that people use that they, they think might be in Scripture. And some of these you'll, you'll know, and, and some of you will know they're, they're not part of Scripture. Uh, one is, when God closes a door, He opens a window. Now, there's some truth in that, but it's not Scripture. It's actually from The Sound of Music. And the Sound of Music is a great, great uh, movie and, and play, but it's, but it's not a Scripture. Uh, another one that people will say is Aristotle uh, said it, and not Jesus, and that's moderation in all things. Now, there's truth in these, but these are, these are not uh, Scripture. Another one is, God works in mysterious ways. We've probably said that. I'm sure that I've said it, and it's true, but it's, it's not found in Scripture. It's actually a hymn uh, from, from the hymnal. Uh, this is a good one. A fool and his money are soon parted. How many have heard that one before? Uh, good? Not Scripture. It's from a poem by Thomas Tusser. This is an interesting one that I've heard in, in church circles. Um, and I'm sorry if you use this, because I'm going to take a shot at it in a minute. So pick your feet up or duck. I am blessed and highly favored. I've heard people say this. The, the, uh, the only person in Scripture that it was considered highly favored was Mary. Okay? And is it true that we're blessed? Yes. Are we favored by God? Yes. Here's why I'm not a fan of it, is because sometimes people are going through tough stuff. And I don't want to seem like I'm elevating myself above their problems or above what they're facing. So you're facing someone in sorrow and they say, how are you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. And they look at it like, well, I'm going through a tough time. Maybe God doesn't. See, so I'm not a big fan of that. So if you use that, God bless you. But that's not scripture. I'm blessed and highly favored. Uh, here's, here's a good one. Cleanliness is next to... Yeah, see, we've all heard that one before. Also... Uh, not in Scripture. That goes back hundreds of years that has been changed throughout the years. Here's one that's also not in Scripture. Uh, God won't give you more than you can handle. Okay? That's not in Scripture. Okay? In fact, it's not true at all. Everything in life is more than we can handle. But everything in life is not more than God can handle. Okay? So not only is it not, not in Scripture, God won't give you more than you can handle. No, all of our lives are filled with stuff that we can't handle, but God can. And that's going to kind of be a little bit of the point uh, today. But one of the most popular that I've heard is God helps those who help themselves. Have you heard that one? Also not in Scripture and also not uh, biblical basis in our passage today. Nope. In Scripture today, I'm going to show you the exact opposite of this. And it's this, God helps those that can't help themselves. That's more scriptural. God helps those that can't help themselves. In John chapter 5, which Pastor Rick uh, read for us today, we pick up in the life of Jesus, and he has been fulfilling his Father's purpose. The whole goal of the Gospel of John is to show people that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. And so now he's returning to Jerusalem after being, remember, he was in Cana, which is north of Jerusalem. And, and whenever you, you hear them going to Jerusalem, it always says they're going up to Jerusalem. 
which is not necessarily their geographical location, but Jerusalem being on the mountain and being so significant. We're going up to Jerusalem. Anyway, he returns to Jerusalem for one of the holidays. We're, we're not sure which one. But while he's there and there's a lot of people around, he takes, I'll say, a detour, which really wasn't a detour. A distraction that wasn't a distraction. It was the reason that he was there. He goes to this pool of Bethesda. And it's where sick people went to get well. And what they believed, now some translations will have this in there, and, and it will have a little, little marker in there that most uh, ancient manuscripts uh, don't have it in there. Listen, let me just give you a little word of advice. Don't worry about all of those things that people smarter than us debate over. Uh, or maybe I shouldn't say us, smarter than me. I let those that have given their life to the study of ancient manuscripts worry about the study of ancient manuscripts. And so we're just, it doesn't change anything in anywhere. So in, in fact, any little discrepancy in scripture is so minor and changes nothing that anyone that would use any discrepancies that, to say that it can't be the word of God because of discrepancies in it really doesn't know what they're talking about. Because the brightest people understand that the, the little differences are so minuscule, it changes nothing about the meaning of Scripture. Anyway, I just throw that out, throw that out there to you. Uh, it's, so these sick people went to this well, and they believed that angels stirred the water and that the first one that would get in would be healed. You've heard this before, right? You've heard this before. Was there an angel that stirred the water? I don't know. I, I, I'm leaning towards the idea of superstition. Do you know how things can travel quickly? And that maybe somebody touched the water and, and they felt better or maybe, I don't know. I don't know. Is it impossible that an angel came down? Probably not. I, I just see it as a little more superstitious. And, and here's why. Because the healing that Jesus wanted to, them to experience was not based on superstition, but who he was as Savior. Okay? And so by whatever means God uses, healing comes from God. So they believe that the, the waters were stirred and the first one in would get healed. And so Jesus walks into this area of the pool of Bethesda and they've actually found it, architect, uh, not architecturally, uh, archaeologists have found it, have found it. It's kind of a neat, neat thing. So he walks in there and there are many, many sick people uh, they were blind, lame, paralyzed, scripture tells us that. But for some reason, he bypasses all of those people and walks up to one guy. Pause. Why didn't he heal everyone all at once? Why? We don't know. And why don't we know? There's a couple reasons. Why don't we know? Why? Because we're not God. If he wanted us to know, uh, he would have told us. And so the things that he doesn't tell us means we don't need to know. That he knows, and you're either good with that or not. Personally, I'm good with that. I've found the older I get, the more I study scripture, the less I know. But what I want to grow in is not my knowledge. I want to grow in faith. And faith says, God, I don't understand a lot. In fact, I don't understand most things. But I still trust in you. You're still the one I look to. 
All right. So anyway, we don't know why he walked up only to that to that man. And we also don't know that he didn't heal everybody. We just know that the focus of this passage is on this man. And so this guy had been lame for 38 years. Now, in our day, being unable to walk is a terrible, terrible situation. With all the technology and social services and help that people can receive, it's a horrible, horrible situation. Imagine 2,000 years ago what it was like to be lame in that society and in that culture and even in that religion that had and taught that if you were sick, there was sin. So imagine this man, the despair that was upon him and that he uh, uh, had been lame for 38 years. We don't know the reason why. And then he says, um, well, let me, let me get to it. So Jesus walks up to him and says this, would you like to get well? Now I'm thinking my response would be what? Yeah. Yes. These are not trick questions. It's okay. Okay. Uh, yes, I want to get well. But the man says something very, very unique. Watch, watch in verse 7. John 5, 7. I can't. I can't. The man thought that healing was about what he could do. Not about what God could do. See? And it's that first recognition that I can't that brings the ultimate answer. See, it's not that God helps those that help themselves. It's God helps those that can't help themselves. And the first thing this guy says is, I, I can't, sir, for I have no one to put me in the pool. When the water bubbles up, someone else always gets there ahead of me. His first words were can't, and that's exactly the point. For those, of, those that live their lives saying, I can, I can do it on my own, I can accomplish whatever, I can, if I do this, I do that, I do something else, then everything's going to be all right, and God will have to accept my effort. See, it's, that's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is about understanding I can't but he can. See, that's, that's the first step. It's the acknowledgement that we can't help ourselves. And whether it relates to a salvation or the circumstances that we're going through right now, the, the, the understanding is I, I, I can't. And the one that says that they can doesn't even know that they don't know. They're so lost, so blind. Those that say they don't need God. or How about this one? I've heard this one. Uh, religion is just a crutch. Have you heard that one? That's a, that's a big statement. I've heard that so many times. Uh, and religion might be a crutch, but the relationship with I, I have with Jesus, I need more than a crutch. I need a, a, a walker, a wheelchair, two canes, and everything else because I can't on my own. If Jesus is that support that I need, then I need him 100%. It does not speak less of me because I need Jesus. It speaks more towards my faith that I absolutely can't, but he absolutely can. Those that say, I don't need God, never receive help from God. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. I don't need God. There you go. I can't find God. There you go. See? There's a d degree of, I'll just say this briefly because I don't want to get off track today too much. Uh, there's a preacher I like named Alistair Begg. Have you heard of him? 
Many have heard of Alistair Begg. Okay, oh, he's tremendous. He's tremendous. I listen to him while I'm mowing the lawn and almost run into trees. I get so excited. Now, I've run into trees with every lawnmower that this church has owned uh, for 23 years. How about it, Andy? Yes, Sometimes I think I can... <laughs> like, like the lawnmower, the one we have now is a little bit different. It's a little more commercial. But we would have these riding lawnmowers, and, 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 it, and it would be so nice. They'd have the red front or whatever, and then the next week it would be damaged. And then Andy would look at it, and he'd say, oh, pastor was mowing the lawn again. Anyway, Alistair Begg, I was listening to him yesterday, actually, as I was traveling back and forth from Hamilton, and he was talking about uh, atheists. And with a broken heart, he talked about the inherent arrogance of thinking that we could understand the unknowable and to say in light of everything, and he went on in the complexity just of our body, not even of the universe. And he, and he said with a broken heart that, that the arrogant will never find God. See, Because when you know and you can, I've got it all figured out. Okay. But those that cry out to God in their darkest days and say, I, I can't, that's when God comes in and he shows you that he can. I can't, he can. I can't, he can. It's a recognition of I'm helpless. I'm paralyzed. I'm paralyzed by fear and doubt. I'm blind. I can't see the way out of this circumstance. It's this first realization that leads us toward the relationship that we need. It's an understanding that we use pronouns for God. I can't, he can. I haven't, he has. I'm not sure, but he is sure. See, he can, he has, he will. Whenever in Christianity our, our pronoun is, is I, it runs into problems. Let, let's take it on the most basic level. If we were get to, to get to heaven and God were to ask, why should I allow you into heaven? And we were to say, I, we'd miss it. I was a good person. I went to church. I did this. I de did that. Christianity is never about, about what I've done. It's always about what he has done. Shout out to Alistair Begg. YouTube, check it out. Man on the Middle Cross. Check that out. Man on the Middle... Not while I'm preaching. Show some respect. Some respect, please. But look at that. Man on the Middle Cross. Awesome. Awesome. So Jesus, he, he, Jesus says, do you want to be healed? The guy says, I can't. Then Jesus says to the man, the very next thing. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Jesus was saying to this man, I know you can't. That's why I'm here. I wonder if Jesus is saying that to you today in the things that have you most frightened and the things you're most concerned about, you're most worried about. I wonder if he's waiting for us to say, God, I, I, I can't. And, and he's wanting to tell you today in a way that only he can speak, I know you can't, but I can. Jesus can because he cares. 
And so he said to the man, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Think how ridiculous that is. 38 years late. Helpless and hopeless. See? Because when we feel completely helpless without Jesus Christ, we can feel completely hopeless. See? Helplessness, it's a short jump to, to hopelessness. But with Jesus Christ, we can be helpless, but never hopeless. Because there's always hope that He can do what no one else can do. There's always hope that He's able to do, maybe you've heard this, exceedingly abundantly, more than I could ask. More than I could even imagine. That He goes beyond my greatest thought. Jesus looked at the man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat, and he began walking. That's Jesus. It was true the man couldn't, but it is true that Jesus can. It is true that you can't, but it is true that he, he can. Jesus made, and I, I can't even imagine, I, I don't know, 38 years lame, 38 years surrounded by helplessness, hopelessness, despair, depression, I mean, is, is it a stretch to, to, after 38 years in that environment, just wanting to, to die? Isn't that true? I mean, I can imagine that. I don't think it's a stretch. What did he have to look forward to? Jesus takes all of that and he changes everything. Let me just throw this out to you real quick. What do we have to look forward to in this life? And sometimes we're facing things, and sometimes we're going through things, and it looks pretty dark. What do we have to look for? And I don't want to be so negative. I, I really don't. But see, it's the wrong way to look at things. Because, yeah, in this life, it, it can be dark. But it's not this life that propels us forward. It's the life that Jesus has for us and eternal life. That's what living in light of heaven is. What do you say to the person with a chronic illness? And listen, I've been in these situations. In hospitals and homes and Pastor Rick as well and others in ministry. What do you say? Do you say, oh, God's going to heal you? I don't know that. God can heal you, yes. We're going to pray for that, but I, I don't know. Here's what I do know. Is that heaven is waiting. See, that's our hope. See, hope is always about the future. Our hope is not in this life. It's in the life to come. And why do I say that? That whatever you're facing now, Jesus is there with you. You can't, but he can, and he's got better days in store for you. This man thought his life was over. Jesus said, it's just about to begin. And later, I didn't. when I planned this, I was going to preach through 17 verses, and then I thought, well, no, because no one's going to stay till Monday. I mean, no matter how good the sermon is, they're not staying till Monday. So I had to cut it, cut it short, cut it down there. Eventually, we see that Jesus meets up with this man again. The religious leaders have a fit because this happened on a Sabbath for another sermon. Uh, and, and Jesus says, now, now go and don't sin anymore. So not only did Jesus heal his body, he healed his soul. And not only did this man walk, uh, get up and, and run around, he's still up and still running around in heaven, telling his story 
that he was helpless. But Jesus came and changed everything about his life. See, God helps those who can't help themselves. Let's go a little bit deeper. Remember the, the, the nesting egg? On the surface, this story is about healing. But if we go a little bit deeper, it's not just about physical healing. It's about spiritual healing. The other people that were there represented all of us. Because Romans 5, 6 in the New Living Translation says, When we were utterly helpless. Isn't that interesting? When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. All of us were helpless. All of us were blind. Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3, in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. We were all blind. None of us could see. We were all lame. No one can come to me, Jesus said in John 6, unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. We were all paralyzed in the fact that we, we didn't want to do it, and yet we still did it, and the things we wanted to do, we didn't. In Romans seven eighteen, I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Then it goes into Romans 8, 1, which is a verse you should know. And I should be able to quote it right now, except when everybody is staring at me. Now, therefore, I got it. I just needed to get it. Now, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The context of that is I'm lost. The end of chapter 7, he goes right into 8, but I'm not because of Jesus. I'm helpless except for Jesus. See, we're all blind, lame, paralyzed in a spiritual way. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But Jesus, but Jesus, but Jesus. The man represents the man, the one individual man represents each of us. The crowd represents all of us. The man represents each of us in that we can't save ourselves. We can't heal ourselves, but Jesus can. No one has said this, but I, I, I always try to put the gospel in, into a message. And I, I always try to lead the, the, the message back to the cross and Jesus. Because I don't know where everyone's at in their walk with the Lord. But here's the other reason I, I say these things over and over again. Because I don't know who you're going to come in contact this week. That you can tell them the true gospel. You have to know it. You have to, it has to be a part of your life. It has to be inside of you. So that when someone says, well, when I get to heaven, uh, he has to take me because I'm, you know, better than my neighbor. You know the truth. No, nope, none of us are good. There's only one that's good, and his name is Jesus. You have to be able to present the gospel. If I can be a little stronger here today, it's the only reason you're still here on earth. Because why wouldn't, once we got saved, God just kill us and take us to heaven and be with him? Why not? Because he has a purpose for you. And that purpose is to be a witness for him. 
You have to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't have to be able to preach for, you know, uh, you know how I preach or someone else preaches or whatever. But you, but you have to know the basis of what it means to be a Christian. And if it starts with you can't, you know, do this anymore and you can't do that and you can't do that, it's wrong. Or you have to do this or you have to do that. That's not the gospel. The gospel is I've sinned. We've all sinned. And Jesus came to save us. He died that we might be forgiven. He lives that we might live forever. And the only way to uh, receive that is by believing that Jesus is the only Savior. That's all. There are not many ways to get to God. I can't even tell you the statistics I read uh, every year on evangelical Christians, which we would call ourselves, our church is evangelical, but not in the political sense which we've completely corrupted evangelicalism. Evangelical, oh boy. Being an evangelical meant we used to believe in evangelism. Now it believes we believe in, we believe in the Republican Party as our savior. Sickening. Ooh. What happened to sharing the gospel? What happened to telling people about Jesus? I want to be that evangelical. Not who I vote for or don't vote for. Oh, that aggravates the daylights out of me. Our, our country is dying with millions of people in church more concerned with the White House than Jesus. I, I think there's a degree of accountability for the American church. We have these huge churches, and we can't get missionaries on the mission field because they can't raise their support. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me that 300,000 Christian churches in America can't give 50 bucks a month to support a missionary? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me that churches have multi-million dollar budgets and they can't support missionaries? That our missionaries receive better offerings from churches our size than churches of thousands of people. Are you, are you kidding me? There's a degree of accountability. That we're not evangelists anymore. That we have become a political party. And it's a disgrace. I'm embarrassed by it. And it's not the direction that I will ever lead this church. If you want a political church, you're going to have to look elsewhere. We preach Christ and him crucified because he's the only hope he's the hope of your life he's the hope of America and he's the hope of the world and while I'm here not only will I not preach politics we will not stop supporting missionaries we just had a board meeting Wednesday or a couple Wednesdays ago we just picked up two more missionaries we, we, we picked up Andy Lynn that's a, are you kidding me? Here's a guy that's given his life to this generation that's willing to leave a mega church and all of the benefits that go along with it, including salary, to minister to youth in New Jersey, and he can't raise his support. Not us. We're supporting him 100%. 100%. We have a missionary couple, the, the Vieiras. 
If you remember the Vieras, they were on on a Wednesday night. Pastor Joe interviewed them. Here's a young couple giving up everything to go and work for and with someone else, another missionary family that we support. And you know what? We're supporting them now too. Here's the crazy thing. I get all the financial reports and I look at them. I used to look at them with fear and trembling. Not, it's not as bad now. Stella, when she was the bookkeeper, she would come in sometimes like this. Here's the monthly report. <laughs> it's not that bad anymore. But it's because we support missions. And if we ever stop supporting missions, that doesn't mean a missionary doesn't come off the field and stuff like that. I'm, I'm talking about where we just turn in a different direction, where we're no longer about the gospel. Then, then God help. Please, God, just close the doors so that we won't be some other dead, dying church preaching wrong doctrine. Please just close the doors if we become a political entity and not about reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please, God, don't ever let us get to that point. All right. I don't know where that came from. Must have needed to be said. We've all sinned, all of us. The man represents each of us. We can't save ourselves. We can't heal ourselves, but Jesus can. And that's who we need to proclaim, Jesus. Maybe he's waiting for you to ask. Oh, I've been asking, I've been asking, I've been asking. Keep asking. You know the verse. Ask, seek, and knock. You know it, right? That means keep on. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. The acronym, you know that too? Come on, you have it on a mug. A-S-K, ask, seek, knock. You have it on a mug. How many? T-shirts, anybody? It still says ask. The lady that kept going to the judge, persistence in prayer, keep asking. Is today the day? I don't know. But that, that guy, 38 years lame, didn't know that today was his day, but Jesus knew. And I don't know that today is your day, but Jesus knows. You might be helpless, but you are never hopeless. Because Jesus is alive and well and seated on the throne. And as he healed in the Old Testament and the New Testament, throughout the book of Acts, the book of James, he told them to pray for healing and God would heal. You might be helpless in your situation, and you probably are, but you're never hopeless because the same God that healed then is the same God that heals today because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just a few minutes, we're going to receive communion together. Symbols of Jesus' body and his blood that was shed. A reminder of, of who Jesus is and a reminder of what Jesus has done. And our, our theme uh, for today in communion is going to be just that. I can't. But you can and you have. You have. You have done what no one else can do. And so we celebrate the Lord's Supper and communion together as a continuation of the message this morning. As all God's people said, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com. 
or download our app in the App Store.